Rinkwide Vancouver. The Vancouver Canucks are into the National Hockey League All-Star break, and they go in in style with a 5-4 comeback victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime. A wild night of hockey at Rogers Arena, but the Vancouver Canucks come all the way back from a 4-1 deficit with a furious third-period rally for the second straight game. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway, Jeff Patterson, along with Irfan Gaffar. And we're coming your way from the Sheraton Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. And if you're looking for a local getaway this Valentine's Day, give them a call, 604-331-1000. There is some blackout dates that may apply, and it is all based on availability. Irf, where do we start I mean, I think we all need a break after these last couple of games with the Vancouver Canucks. They came back against St. Louis, but lost in overtime. They dig themselves a second period hole against the CBJ outfit. And then all those guys that are going to the All-Star game, they dig in and they played like the top players on this hockey club. Brock Besser gets to 30 (laughs) for the first time in his career. And Elias Pettersson with his second of the night wins it in overtime on a setup from Brock Besser. And the Canucks feeling a little bit better about themselves than they did with 20 minutes remaining left in this hockey game. 13 points for their All-Stars in this one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jeff. But you mentioned the word wild. It has been an absolutely wild season to this point for this Vancouver Canucks hockey team. And of course, before the All-Star break, you get a game like you did here tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets down 4-1. And we're sitting here looking at it and say, okay, maybe if they get one more, they have a chance. Well, they got one more, they got two more, they got three more, four more. And then they ended up getting five more. Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson, the only two players to score goals for the Vancouver Canucks against the Blue Jackets. But in entertaining fashion, I mean... The Canucks, uh, you know, down 4-1, you got to give them the credit there. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't a very good hockey team, but, you know, up 4-1, you think that game was probably out of reach, and this team just found their way to claw itself back into it, and they, you know, ended up walking away and must feel pretty good about themselves heading into the break now, Jeff. They go in with points in 11 straight games, 9-0-2. They are tied with the Boston Bruins atop the National Hockey League standings, and that won't change because there are a few games between now and and the All-Star game, but those top teams that are around the Canucks, uh, they're idle as well. So the Vancouver Canucks hit the All-Star break with a record of 33-11-5, good for 71 points. Earth 71 points! They had 83 all of last season, and that included the terrific second half after Rick Tockett took over. Alvac got them was to 83 points, and here they are with 71, and tied with Boston atop the National Hockey League standings, and Uh, Let's start with Brock Besser. We'll get to the three stars later. He's certainly going to be one of them, probably right at the top here. Uh, How can you not feel good? This has been a storybook season for him and a storyline that we've been following forever. (laughs) When we've talked about Brock Besser getting to 30 goals, 29 as a rookie. He backed it up with 26 in his second season. Both of those cut short by injury. He has been healthy. He has been effective. He's been a part of the power play that's come back to life here on this homestand. He had a goal that made it 2-1, to one, and you thought, okay, that's going to be the start of the comeback. Unfortunately for the Canucks, the Blue Jackets scored twice more after Besser had scored with five minutes to go in the second period, and they take a 4-1 lead to the locker room with 20 minutes to go. As it turned out, more than 20 minutes because they needed overtime. But Brock Besser with a pair on the power play after Elias Pettersson had scored on the power play as well. So three third-period power play goals, and for Besser... He gets goals 28, 29, 
and 30, and the cherry on top is a cross-crease feed to Pedersen on the doorstep to poke that puck home off his skating in to win it at the four-minute mark of overtime. We know the Brock Besser story. It's been well-documented in this market. Uh, he looked me in the eye at training camp back in Whistler in September of 2022 when I said, is this the year? And he said, this is the year. And unfortunately, it wasn't. And we know the reasons for the struggles last year. He had five goals at Christmas last year. Picked up the pace, obviously, over the second half. But scored four on opening night against the yeah. Oilers. And you kind of got a sense that maybe things would be a little different this year. Boy, have they ever. And you got to feel good for him. No, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that there was so much of a narrative about Brock Besser after he scored the 29 and, you know, he's had some things happen to him in his career and obviously in his life that have made, you know, playing hockey difficult, but this season coming back and, and just the way that, you know, he's, he's played, he, he's matured. He seems like a different person out there and a different skater and a different everything scoring goals at completely different phases of the game. But that narrative's now gone because Brock Besser's a 30 goal scorer. Right. There, there's no more talks anymore about it. He's got the 30. He's got a lot of hockey left to be played this season. I mean, what's to say if, you know, we talk about him scoring in bunches and kind of being a little bit streaky in that sense. 50. I mean, is that a goal now where he puts up and says, can I get there? Right. So it's, it's going to be an interesting finish to this season. But again, Jeff, to your point, you have to give credit to Brock Besser because the way he carried himself after everything that's gone on in his career, his personal life. And obviously with, you know, being a Vancouver Canuck. You know, is he going to be traded every single season? The way that he's come in and been able to handle his business and now obviously get that 30. I mean, the win itself is going to feel good for that team, but you can bet that that guy's going to be smiling year to year for quite some time. He does seem to score in bunches. And in fact, they had gone the longest he had gone all season this year. had gone six without a goal since he scored two against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, you just look at the math. Four on opening, uh, opening night against the Edmonton Oilers. He had a hat trick against the Tampa Lightning just before Christmas. Another hat-trick here in this one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he has five two-goal games on top of all that. So uh, he is a bit of a streaky scorer in that regard. You don't get to big numbers like 30 without scoring in bunches. Yeah, I mean, 50? Let's talk about 40. Yeah. You know, they've got 33 games. If he can stay healthy, and that's always been part of the Brock Besser story as well, so knock on wood for him. Going to the All-Star game, he's earned it. He goes in after a night like this one. And, uh, yeah, Elias Pettersson with two goals. He's up to 27. JT Miller uh, had a hand in three of the goals. The setup for Besser on that first one after Tyler Meyer steps up in the neutral zone, forces a turnover, Suter to Miller, and Besser just streaking to the front of the net in a great setup from JT. Uh, he had three points on the night. Quinn Hughes has three assists as uh, he gets over the 60-point mark for the first time, obviously, uh, this season. But uh, 50 assists for Quinn Hughes to go along with these dozen goals. So he's at 62 points on the season. I mean, there's just so many numbers. We do this on a nightly basis here on, on rink-wide, and uh, the numbers continue to astound. But uh, maybe the the one that just supersedes everything else, again, is 71 points at the All-Star break. And, you know, I, I think they're starting to see the Edmonton Oilers appear in their rearview mirror a little bit. When you get to 16 straight wins, it's impossible to ignore. But if the Canucks just continue to keep the hammer down here and pick up points along the way, it really doesn't matter ultimately what the Edmonton Oilers do. So there are some incredible stories in this Pacific division and certainly with the Winnipeg Jets as well. Western Canada representing this year, there's no doubt about it, and it's going to be fascinating to see how all of this plays out over 
the unofficial second half. They're past the midway mark, but uh, after the All-Star break, so many big nights ahead on the schedule. Looking forward to it for the Vancouver Canucks. They don't play now until the 6th of February when they start a five-game road trip in Carolina. So when we look at this hockey game, and it was kind of this way last Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs where it was almost three games in one. It was a great first period, let down in the second period, and then the power play came to life. Uh, sort of the same script here because the Canucks dominated the first period. They had nothing to show for it, but they outshot the Blue Jackets 11-4. to Columbus had a shot in the first minute of the hockey game and then didn't have another one for 15 minutes. And I kind of felt this way even about the St. Louis game the other night where I, I didn't mind the Canucks start. Like I, I thought for the first 10 minutes against the Blues, they territorially, they stacked shifts, they played it in the offensive yep. zone, but this high-scoring machine that we've talked about all season sort of had trouble getting out of neutral when it came to actually putting pucks in the net and give the other team's goaltenders credit. Joel Hofer was good the other night, and Elvis, uh, you know, he had the big celebration after the <laughs> shootout win 10 days ago. The monster. And, and I'm wondering if he thought he was going to get to celebrate again here, but ultimately the Canucks pump five past him. There was a lot to like in the first period, but nothing to show for mm -hmm. it, and you just thought you can't let these teams, and on this homestand, right, like, you know, they beat Arizona 2-1, to one, but it wasn't a terribly convincing win. It was enough to get the job done. And even a Chicago team that can't win on the road and can't score goals, you know, 2-0. I mean, sort of the bare minimum to get the two points there. And here you're scoreless after one period. You're fine. You're at home. You're the Canucks. You're the far superior team. But you don't want to leave a team like Columbus hanging around. And then the Canucks get a power play. And what do they do? The guy that got the criticism from the coach <laughs> the other day for turning pucks over turns the puck over. Well, and Alex Texier goes the other way and snaps one home past Thatcher Demko. And you can sort of feel a little nervous energy in the building, and rightly so. That was a funny sequence. I mean, your tweet was funny. And, you know, guy getting blasted by the coach and whatever and have you. Going into that third period, I was like, man, this is just not good for this Vancouver Canucks team right now. And obviously, you know, they go to the third period and whatever message Rick Tockett gave to his group, whatever criticism he gave, not so publicly, he probably gave it directly to all of his players, really must have spoke to them. Because that for, that third period was might have, might have been one of their best third periods of the season in dominance, in executing. Um, they had to kill a five-minute major. We'll get into that as well. Yes, yeah, they had to kill that penalty too, and also to be able to come back and win this game, force overtime, then win the game. Yeah. Now, I mean, this game followed a similar script to the one against St. Louis the other night. And the Canucks had the hat-trick from Pia Suter in the third period. Here, Brock Besser caps his hat-trick in the third period. So back-to-back -back games with three goal performances from Canuck players. Uh, another night where... You know, Elias Pettersson and his line mates at even strength, unable to muster any kind of offense to the point that Ilya Mikheyev and Andre Kuzmenko, really the only time I noticed Kuzmenko was when he served the five-minute major for Tyler Myers. No shifts in overtime for either one of those guys. No surprise. Maybe, the you know, and we do the stat that stands out. I mean, this jumps out at me, the fact that both Kuzmenko and Mikheyev on the night play less than 10 minutes of five-on-five Again, I mean, it just speaks to two guys that are, are struggling right now. Fortunately for the Canucks, they're top end, especially when you give them the man advantage, uh, enough to pull them through on a night against an opponent like the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, if I'm the Blue Jackets, they were somewhat responsible for their own demise, too. Like, mm -hmm. you know that this Canucks power play can punish you, and you take one penalty, you get scored on, 
know, maybe you want to show a little bit of discipline. And a guy like Boone Jenner, who's the captain, he wears the C. Yeah, I mean, that's a slash all day on Connor Garland. And at that point, the Canucks have pulled within one, and then you put them back on the power play. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit undisciplined if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, I think most teams at this level would like to think that they could see a 4-1 lead through. But, uh, again, you're playing a, a Canucks team. Crowd was getting on them a little bit for their performance in that second period. And let's be honest. And there was, like, all the talk at the morning skate was about focus. All-star break ahead, the season you've had. And in that second period, it looked like guys had one foot out the door. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they thought it was going to be easy because they had dominated territorially in the first period. And maybe all they were waiting for was that first power play. They get it. And then it explodes in their face and they give up the shorthanded goal for the second straight Saturday. Mitch Marner had one against the Canucks in that Leafs visit last week. And so, you know, that's not a huge concern. And I don't think this is going to be an ongoing trend that, oh, the power play is now getting scored on. But whatever the case, I mean, puck management, and it wasn't just Elias Pettersson on the one nothing goal because JT Miller, after he makes the setup to Besser to get the Canucks on the board and give them some life and get the fans back in it, that looked like JT Miller before the big contract extension, weak on the puck, a poor clearing attempt, and then sort of doubles down with a little flyby in the neutral or in the in the middle of the ice, and you always hear Rick talk, talking about the guts of the ice and. Jake Bean able just to kind of walk right down Main Street and snap at home. And instead of the Canucks being right back in the hockey game at 2-1, to one, you know, now it's a 3-1 game again. And then it became 4-1. to one, And that's when you thought, uh-oh, this is not going their way. So full credit to the top end of the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, when you look at the score sheet, Besser has a four-point night. Miller, Pedersen, Hughes all have three-point nights. And Pia Suter, who's now found that spot on the First unit power play, he had a pair of assists as well. So five guys figure in the scoring for the Vancouver Canucks, and the bulk of the damage is done with the man advantage. And, and that is, I think that's a promising sign for me or on this homestand. Like, when they came off the road, they were winning all the games. The road trip was terrific. And they were doing a ton of scoring at five on five. And we were saying, like, there's too much talent here. This power play yeah. can't be held in check forever. Well, on the homestand, only the Chicago game uh, did they fail to score with the man advantage. They had two against the Leafs. They had one against Arizona, one against St. Louis the other night, and finished this night three for four with the man advantage. So, you know, scoring in bunches again on the power play, and that's going to serve them well, uh, even though they are still capable of scoring five on five. But, you know, we started to see the Bluger-Garland line. They play hard, but their production has slowed as mm -hmm. you thought it might. We talked about Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. You know, Niels Hoaglander had a couple against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And really curious, the way that Rick Tockett started the first and second period with Pedersen between Hoaglander and Lafferty for whatever reason. He didn't stick with that, but it kind of, to me, that felt like a message to Kuzmenko and Mikheyev that, you know, if you guys aren't going to pick up the pace here, I'm going to move Pedersen and give him a couple of different line mates and we'll see if something can happen. Ultimately, it didn't. And as I mentioned, it, it didn't last through the periods, but just trying to sort of figure out the coach's methodology, if you will, that surprised me because I know lots of people have been saying, look, if the Russian wingers aren't getting it done, give Hoaglander, he's a 14 goal scorer, give him a chance and, and maybe give Pedersen, you know, just a different look to play with and see if you can't find something that works. So I think it, part of me was glad at the very least to see Rick Tockett, even if it was just a shift here and a shift there, go away from Pedersen, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko because 
Uh, right now, it just isn't happening for either one of those wingers. No, and I think that that's the tough part, right? I mean, if you're Mikheyev, your whole career has been based on a guy that's forechecking on the puck. He's tenacious. He's he's getting into the gritty areas. He's in front of the net. He's he's supposed to be doing all of that. That's the guy that they gave that all that money to in the offseason, and we haven't seen him at all. Andre Kuzmenko, on the other hand, that's a completely different story as well. Like The guy doesn't even shoot the puck. And he's a guy that is a 39-goal scorer. Systems are obviously different. The focus is might not be there. I mean, we've heard from the coach numerous times not wanting to talk about him and things like that. You know, you hope that this reset is good for him and maybe he comes back with, with a different look and a different mindset, mindset as they go into the second half of the season a little bit or after the All-Star break and into crunch time. But... Yeah, it's not good. And and it's a little troubling where it's not just one guy, Jeff. Like before it was one guy. Now it's two that aren't playing well. You need to look at your lines as you head into the playoffs and say, if we're going to have to shorten the bench to three lines, like am I, what, what am I going to do here? Who, who are my top guys? And you got to start to look at, you know, what's going to happen. I, we don't know what's going to happen with this team at the trade deadline either. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough night and it's more tough nights than others for Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that storyline's not going away yeah. for either one of them. And Mikheyev now, you know, no goals in 17 games, one in his last 21. Uh, again, I, I don't expect him to be a whole lot more than a 20-goal scorer. That's kind of where he was in Toronto. But he got off to such a good start coming back from the knee injury, and he jumped right in and was productive. And you thought, hey, uh, he's headed for a career year. And now, again, Rick Tockett the other day said he needed more from Elias Pettersson. And, and sure, you, you want your star players to elevate those around them, but when a guy is in a funk like Mikheyev, like, you know, how much of that's on Pedersen and how much of that is on uh, the guy in question? You know, one shot on goal for Mikheyev in this hockey game, none for Kuzmenko. But we won't go deep there because yeah. there were other storylines, obviously. And one of them is Thatcher Demko, who sets a career high with his eighth straight victory. He's 14-1-1 in his last 16 hockey games. This was not his best night, but we've seen the team pick him up. And obviously, he has bailed the team out on occasion. It works both ways here. But, you know, the Texier goal, it's a clean look there, but you'd like a save. And then the Corrali goal, walking out of the corner, bit of a bang-bang play, but still, short side goal. I thought that one was probably stoppable being... You know, he had a really good look. The Marchenko goal, a little unfortunate to off the post and then off Demko and in. Again, kind of like that Leaf game last Saturday. I keep coming back to it. I mean, there's so many similarities where Demko wasn't great in the second period against the Leafs, but then locked it down. And you ultimately need your goalie to be your best penalty killer. Well, five-minute major, mm-hmm. Tyler Myers. We'll get to the penalty and just the way that all played out in a sec. But what do you make of Thatcher Demko's night? Well, you mentioned the 14-1-1 record. I mean, the Oilers' record of however many they've won straight is wild. This guy's 14-1-1 in his last 16 starts. He's playing pretty good hockey. And, you know, we obviously know he's getting the recognition and everything. But when when they needed him the most, he was there. And I think that that's an important thing to remember with Demko. You know, we criticize him a lot. The goals against, he's not going to like the save percentage. And some nights he's not going to like. But when this team needed him the most, when he needed to be big, when he needed to be strong, down 4-1, they went back to him for the third period. And they said, okay, he said, I'm going to lock in. I'm going to finish this one strong. I got you guys. If you guys can have my back. 
And that's exactly what happened. You know, the five minute major, obviously they did a really good job. I don't even, I think they had one shot, one shot, yeah. one shot on that. So he didn't really need to come up too, too big there. But when they did have their chances, he was there and, and he was ready and willing to take them on. And I think that that's the one thing where you want to have from your goal and he's not going to cave and let in another one, you know, late in the game when you're coming back. So that was obviously a positive sign to take from it as well. 26th victory of the season, by the way, for Thatcher Demko. Like 26, 8, and 1. You, you certainly can't argue with the, the wins and the losses. And again, he's benefited from the fact that he has all this firepower on a night like tonight where he wasn't at his best. He's coming off a shutout against the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, the Blackhawks aren't a great team, but if your goal, you can't do any better than stop at everything that comes your way. So he brought a st- shutout streak into this game, carried it into the first period. And, uh, you know, that first period, I think, Sometimes those are difficult when you have 15 minutes between shots, the entire period is spent at the other end of the ice, and then, you know, there was one shift where the Canucks' fourth line got into a bit of trouble and the Blue Jackets uh, mounted some pressure, and that's where you're asking your goaltender, who hasn't seen a whole lot of pucks, to make sure that he stays in the game, stays ready, and then uh, the barrage in that second period. But uh, chips are down, Thatcher Demko there, and uh, his teammates pick him up, so... Yeah, eight straight wins. That's a career high for him. He's going to the All-Star game. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see. uh, Out of the All-Star break, the Canucks have eight of ten on the road. Uh, Casey DeSmith has proven to be a terrific pickup and a very capable backup. The workload for Thatcher Demko, I think, is on par with other elite starters in the Mm -hmm. National Hockey League, but he has started 35 of 49 games you know, that's on pace for right in around that 60-game mark. And, of course, everything the Canucks do now should be done sort of through a lens of what's best for this hockey club for what's coming after the regular season because they're going to the playoffs. So I am going to be curious to see how they handle Thatcher Demko down the stretch. They've got all these big games, you know, four left with L.A., three against Vegas, three against Winnipeg, two against Colorado, two against Boston— and Casey DeSmith is going to have to play some of those games. Like he is, because we saw what happened two years ago with Thatcher Demko when he played 61 games and couldn't finish the season. So the Canucks are kind of right there on that fine line with their workload. I think it's been okay to this point, but I do think they're going to have to resist the temptation to run their number one guy out, mm-hmm. even if it is these massive games that are going to have some playoff implications. I think two things, Jeff. I think one, that's the reason why you went out and acquired Casey DeSmith because you needed that veteran backup goaltender and he's proven that he can go in and get the job done even against some good teams um, this season. You know, there's been nights where you and I both looked at each other and said, we thought that would be a Demko night and it was a DeSmith night, right? Until they get that X by their name, there's nothing. You, You go and until you're in the playoffs, you're not in the playoffs, right? Until you get that and then I can see maybe a little bit more load management, maybe a little bit more of DeSmith, two consecutive starts in a row there he might get because you're going to have to keep Demko healthy. If you're going to team that's going to want to contend and go deep into the playoffs, you're going to need your number one guy. So once they get that X beside their name, and then we can kind of see if the division is going to be up for grabs or anything like that, maybe mid-March, we should be able to figure it out around then unless the Canucks go on a crazy run again, you know, out of this break and just completely lock it up, right? But uh, until they get that X beside their name, I think we're still, they're still going to go status quo with what their plan is. 33 games remaining, three sets of back-to-back, so you'd assume that they split those, and then there will be some decisions to make, but as you said, I think some of that will be dependent ultimately on where they are in the standings and what's left for them if they are pushing 
you know, to win the conference, to finish first overall? Is it all about finishing first in the division? So uh, I think it'll have to be a case-by-case basis, but certainly I think something to monitor for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we talked about Demko being the best penalty killer. The Blue Jackets did get a power play goal. The Marchenko goal, his 15th of the year, late in the second period, makes it 4-1. to one. That came on the power play. But after that, nothing doing. Let's get into the penalties, though, because <laughs> it was bizarre. Tyler Myers with the elbow, Ian Cole with the check from behind. The referees elect to review the Cole penalty and then throw the book at Tyler Myers, who gets five for the elbow. And there's no doubt there was some contact there by Tyler Myers. But there was a question of, did the referees want to review one thing and in so doing go back and watch the tape and decide that no, there should have been a penalty on the Myers play. Myers gets tossed. So his all-star break started a little sooner (laughs) than his teammates. It was curious at the very least, but the bottom line in all of this is it was a textbook kill from the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. The penalty was weird because I've seen guys only get two minutes for way less than what Tyler Myers did. I mean, his elbow swung around and Curly went down. Like, I thought they were reviewing a boarding call or major for hitting a guy in the numbers. I mean, you and I looked at each other and talked about it, and even on the broadcast, you know, Shorty was trying to figure out as well as they were going about the game. So just a bizarre sequence of events, but that penalty kill was good. Like that, it was very good. Columbus had absolutely no chance at all for five minutes of that hockey game. It was all Vancouver Canucks and... They had a couple of chances on that PK as well. Um, Like you mentioned, textbook, textbook stuff. Demko only had to make one save on that five-minute major penalty. But yeah, just a really bizarre sequence of events for sure. Penalty kill has been good. Uh, Again, it gave up one tonight, but it has been an area of real improvement for the Vancouver Canucks. And it's going to be tested with all these big games down the stretch. They're going to see some of the top power plays in the National Hockey League. And if you get into the playoffs and if you run into the Edmonton Oilers and the way they zipping around on the power play. So I do think that that's kind of been a a quietly good story. I mean, there's been so much noise uh, with all the offensive explosions for the Vancouver Canucks this season, but the fact that they do seem to have the penalty kill ironed out and moving very much in the right direction and perhaps never better over a five-minute stretch than in that third period tonight. And ultimately, that allowed the Canucks to cap the comeback and get it right where they came back against St. Louis on Wednesday, but then lost the game in overtime this time. They come all the way back, and then they finish it off in style. Elias Pettersson, his second of the night, 27th of the season, the four-minute mark of OT, off his skating in, and the Vancouver Canucks will skate into their All-Star break off a 5-4 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets. A lot still to get to, and if you're a regular listener to Rinkwide, you know the drill. We'll get to some locker room reaction. We'll have our three-star selection. We'll have a staff that stands out, some listener feedback as well, and a thought or two on this point of the season to this mark at the 49-game mark and what is still ahead. And we promised the other night a little bit of news, and uh, certainly we will drop that as well. But right now it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. And uh, even though the Vancouver Canucks are into their all-star break now, there are still a few games being played around the National Hockey League. So uh, we're not quite dark in the NHL, but uh, pretty quiet between now and Wednesday with uh, a game here and a game there, but not a whole lot more than that. So when we look at the Sunday schedule, this Columbus team goes to Seattle back-to-back for CBJ. 
At four to one, I thought, all right, they're coming off a win over the Calgary <laughs> Flames. It looks like they may get a win in Vancouver. Can they make it three in a row? How do they pick up the pieces after this one? Quick turnaround against a uh, Seattle team that lost in overtime to the St. Louis Blues. You can get Columbus. If you believe in this Columbus team and the fact that they're starting to score some goals now, you can get them at 290 on the money line. So the Kraken are heavy favorites at home, but uh, maybe you think the Blue Jackets will perform as well as they did in this one, but ultimately get it right. That's our Betway bet of the day. Must be 19 plus, and please play responsibly. Jeff and Irf with you here as we continue to go over a 5-4 Vancouver victory against the Columbus Blue Jackets that takes the Canucks into the All-Star break. Of course, the five skaters and Rick Tockett will be heading for Toronto towards the end of the week, but I think everybody's going to get a little bit of time off here just to put their feet up, decompress, and then uh, have some fun at All-Star weekend in Toronto, and then the real work begins, the final 33, the march to the Stanley Cup Playoffs 5-4 over CBJ. The Canucks are winners here on this Saturday night. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Well, it's that point of the pod where we like to hear from the head coach and some of the players and obviously lots of Options, Earth, in this one when uh, you get Besser with a hat trick and Patterson with two and Miller and Hughes each had uh, three points. You'll hear from Brock on 30 and, and Elias Patterson with a thought on the special teams as well. But uh, we'll just hear from the coach. Obviously, it's been a, an interesting week with Rick Tockett at the podium. Who knows what it would have sounded like if his team ultimately had uh, lost 4-1 to one the way it was after 40 minutes. But uh, he watched his team pull out a 5-4 victory. Rick Tockett on the wild win at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I really liked our game. Um, I mean, I really liked our game start. And obviously, uh, missed a lot of nets and stuff. I thought, you know, we could have came out of the first with a couple goal lead. And then, um, you know, then our puck management wasn't good. You guys know that. And then the adversity hit us, and the guys did a great job. The power play was awesome. PK, special teams was awesome tonight. Crowd was giving us some juice, and uh, great game, like uh, for the third period for us. Likes his juice. And the, the crowd is <laughs> crowd is giving them a juice. Uh, special teams were awesome, and so uh, yeah, just uh, kind of echoing what we had uh, broken down in that opening segment. You know, it's the second game in a row here where the Vancouver Canucks gave up the first goal and then gave up the second goal as well, and that's just something that hasn't happened very often to them. I mean, they've been so good at getting out in front, extending leads. I uh, haven't trailed much in hockey games, and so Rick Tockett uh, was asked the other night about the value of. You, know, you don't want to do it every game, obviously, having these frantic comebacks, but there are going to be times down the stretch into the playoffs where you fall behind and you you know, you know, can't just call it a night. You have to continue to press. So I do think that there is some value in going through the exercise at the very least. And Rick Tockett was just talked about, or talking about uh, facing adversity. Yeah, when you're, you know, to be a, an elite team, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have, you know, penalties. You're going to have some unfortunate bounces you're gonna have a lot of th things and you know th these are the lessons and the the road to that is these type of games you know um so you just learn you keep growing as a team um and uh yeah no it's just it's just one of those things that uh, you know you're happy for uh the adversity that hits the team and how you react that's how you look at players sometimes and you know the whole team actually yeah, and he says, you know, growing as a team, and that's what it is about. Like, it's not about peaking here. There's nothing is given out at the All-Star break for being tied with Boston. So, you know, it's about filing this kind of stuff away, take the learnings, 
uh, be better, try to figure out ways to play the full 60. But if it requires 64, as it did on this night, then you'd be prepared to grind right through until you put uh, the winning goal home. And that's what they did. Of course, the big story is Brock Besser. So let's hear from the man himself. Gets to 30 for the first time in his career. It's been a long time coming. It probably took a little longer than he and others thought uh, it might, given how he burst onto the scene as such a goal scorer. And, you know, a guy that scored from distance, and we all remarked the wrist shot, and now he's finding, as you pointed out, so many different ways to score and so many doorstep goals and getting to the greasy areas and those types of things. So at long last, Brock Besser, a 30-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it means a lot. Um, it's obviously something that I've wanted to get to for a while, so um, to get there is great, but um, you know, obviously I couldn't have done it without my teammates and you know how we're playing and how we've created the standard. No surprise. Humble, as always. Uh, you know, happy to be there, but uh, credit to his teammates. And we weren't sure if he was going to be part of this team yeah. and certainly didn't know his role on the power play. And really, when you back it up to the trade of Bo Horvat, I mean, Bo was such a power play ace. And I wasn't sure how they were going to go about replacing all those goals. I guess I figured Kuzmenko would have a few more by this stage of the season. But Brock Besser with two on the power play uh, as part of his hat trick. He's up to 12 on the season now, which is third of the National Hockey League. So, you know, he's becoming a bit of a power play ace. He's got a long way to go to catch uh, Sam Reinhardt, who's up to 20. It's crazy. 20 with the man advantage. But Brock Besser's got a dozen of his 30 have come on the power play. And yeah, I mean, special teams were a huge part. Huge part of this hockey game, the power play, the comeback, and then we touched on when the chips were down, they needed the penalty kill with Tyler Myers kicked out and down a man for five minutes in that third period, tied at four. Elias Pedersen asked after the game about both special teams, started by talking about the power play, but then a follow-up question on the penalty kill as well. Yeah, it was uh, great to finally score a few on it. Um, I mean, we know we haven't been that great on it lately, uh, so... Hopefully this game can uh, boost that and uh, we can win more games like this. Or score more in the park. Right? How about the penalty kill coming off that five-minute major? You guys didn't give them much? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, tough to get a five-minute there, but I think uh, guys better hard. Don't remember to get saved. Guys sacrificed the body, so yeah, it shows uh, hard from all the players. Yeah, quite a night for Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and JT Miller and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko and Rick Tockett and all the guys that will uh, reconvene in Toronto at the end of the week for the All-Star Game. Now, it is that point of the podcast where we get to the Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection. Lots of options here. The three stars is selected by the Hockey Night crew in the building. Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller and really a toss-up here between Miller and Hughes. They both had three assists. Quinn Hughes starting to ratchet it up again and picking up points as uh, he goes. As we said, he had the dozen goals, but now up to 50 assists, so 62 points at the All-Star break for Quinn Hughes. With an honorable mention to JT Miller, I'm going Besser, Pedersen, and Hughes. Four-point night for Besser, three-point night for Pedersen, including the winner, and Quinn Hughes, three assists, including... The second assist on the game winner, but when it's Quinn Hughes, it's more than just the points. It's the workload. It's the situations in which he plays another huge, and we haven't seen a huge minute night for Quinn Hughes in a while, but with uh, Myers out of the game, they're down to five defensemen. Obviously, the pushing to come back, so you know he's going to play a lot. 29 minutes and 20 seconds on the night. 
2.59 of overtime. Overtime ended at the four-minute mark, so Quinn Hughes <laughs> played essentially three of the four minutes of OT. Yeah, I mean, I got no problems with those. Uh, obviously, Brock was the story, as he has been on quite a few nights when he gets multiple goal games. He is the story of that. He, Elias Pettersson, you know, he, he started out not so good. Everyone, you know, kind of looked at it and said, oh, no, this is going to be one of those. And then he turns it around and quickly, you know, comes back in everyone's good books, including his head coach. And then, yeah, I agree with you, you know, Quinn Hughes, and it's situational, right? He plays in every single, you know, part of the game. And, you know, he's a guy where he went, I think it was the the first shift that he had in overtime. He went off and he came right back on. It was like, it was maybe 10 or 11 seconds of a break. And you knew that he was coming right back on the ice. Um, three of their very important players, three players that are not going to get any time off now as they really have to go back to Toronto and give it a little twirl there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time, Jeff, to, to be a Vancouver Canucks fan right now. Well, let's just wrap up this segment then. We're talking about all these uh, yeah. stars for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, JT Miller with his three points, 67 on season. That's the team lead. Elias Pettersson is at 64, so very much a, a derby there. And Quinn Hughes is up to 62. So they got three 60-plus scores at the All-Star break. Brock Besser with his 30 goals. He's got 52 points. And Philip Ronick's got 36 points. And I mentioned him because this is something that I've been charting for a long time now. The Vancouver Canucks have never had two defensemen in their history total more than 100 points in a season combined. Doug Hallward and Rick Lands got to 100 points in 1982-83. Like, we're going back in the history books here. That's the season after their first trip to the Stanley Cup final. Hallward had 52 and Rick Lands had 48. That's 100 points. Paul Reinhardt and Robert Nordmark combined for 98, as did Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman Larson with Quinn Hughes doing <laughs> the bulk of the heavy lifting with 76 of those 98 points. Well, Quinn Hughes and Philip Hronik are at 98 as well yeah. through 49 games. So uh, who knows where they top out, but with two more points, they'll get to 100 points combined in their 50th game of the season, and then there'll be 32 after that, uh, it's remarkable. Most of it driven by Quinn Hughes, but Horonix had a terrific season and has been a, a great ad for this hockey club as well. All right, a uh, lot still to come here. We're going to get to uh, other stats that stand out, our stat that stands out for the night. We'll get to some listener feedback as well and a little bit uh, more on what's ahead. Plus, we've got a little uh, news to drop about rink-wide during the All-Star break, so stick around for that. Uh, that is all still ahead this is Rinkwide Vancouver, and it's brought to you by Betway. Lots to talk about out of 5 4 victory for the Vancouver Canucks against the Columbus Blue Jackets. CBJ got the better of the Canucks at the tail end of that road trip with the bus trip from Buffalo to Toronto and the flight and the snow and everything else. They kind of limped into Nationwide Arena and looked pretty sloppy and tired that afternoon. It was the early start as well. So Columbus with a 4-3 shootout win that day. Tables turned here in the Vancouver Canucks. 5-4 winners. We're going to get to some listener feedback momentarily, but we always do a stat that stands out. And we've thrown a lot of numbers around already on this episode. Again, 33-11-5. That's uh, an incredible mark for the Vancouver Canucks. 71 points through their first 49 games. But on a night that he gets to 30 for the first time in his career, I think that's the number that stands out uh, on this night for Brock Besser. So uh, he can go to uh, the All-Star game and 
I mean, he could already feel good about the season that he's having, but he goes in on a high here. So absolutely a stat that stands out, as does the factor that Brock Besser has 30, and we're marveling at his uh, you know, consistency and just the rate at which he's scoring. Besser gets to 30 on the same night that Austin Matthews gets to 40. Like, that's incredible stuff, but... This is the Vancouver pod, so we yep. won't focus too much on Austin Matthews. Uh, the Canucks held him off the score sheet last week, uh, at least the goal column. But uh, Brock Besser getting to 30, absolutely a stat that stands out. All right, let's get to a little, little bit of uh, listener feedback here. This one comes from Dream. Hey, Jeff, it wasn't a Picasso. I believe you'll agree with me on the premise that they're starting to get sloppy. Do you th- see the break as a method to come back to the basics, or is it a jump-off point to a decline in their success? Well, we've talked about the fact that the second half of the schedule, you know, they start out Carolina and Boston, like there's two tough tests right away, and then a back-to-back weekend in Detroit and Washington. Uh, They still have to, you know, Vegas and Colorado and all three against Winnipeg. Like there are some heavyweight showdowns. So uh, they have to up their game. Look, I, I wasn't blown away with the homestand, you can't argue with the record because they found ways to grind out victories, but this was Columbus. The other night was Chicago. Before that, Arizona. If they take periods off, like some of these good teams will absolutely bury them to the point where they won't mm-hmm. be able to come back. So I, I think the break comes at a good time. Rick Tockett's been saying this for a little while, and maybe the players bought into it a little too much and started their break mentally. Everybody gets a break at some point in the season. And the break's not as long for all of the All-Stars. And maybe you'd like, in a perfect world, that none of those guys had to go and, you know, take a twirl in Toronto next weekend. But whatever the fact, they don't play for 10 days here. So uh, I think the break comes at a good time for the Vancouver Canucks and just allow them to mentally reset. You know, they haven't forgotten how to play good hockey. Yeah. But it's been a compressed schedule. They've all season long have been among the league leaders in games played. So some of these other teams around them are going to have to, you know, the Oilers, as good as they've been, like they've got games in hand on everybody. It's going to make for a compressed schedule for them down the stretch, and we'll see how that impacts them. Mike says, we got to see both sides of Patterson, the overthinking, hesitant, and unsure in the first and second, and large parts of the third as well, but the ruthlessness and quickness on the PK, and then at overtime, at his best. So, yeah, I think, uh, look, Elias Patterson, forget what Rick Tockett said about Elias Patterson. Elias Patterson's his own biggest critic. He knows that. And he could be hard on himself. And, you know, it wasn't the way that he wanted to see the scoring open in this hockey game with a, a dreadful turnover inside the line. But uh, I think he and the leaders on this group, who knows what was said in the second intermission, but you know, they took it upon themselves to get it right when they were presented with power play opportunities, and they did. But yeah, I think, I mean, I would agree with Mike. We saw a little bit of everything from Elias Pettersson in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Good, the bad, the ugly, right? <laughs> and and I, and I think that, you know, even the Merzlikens flying into the wrong direction on his goals, I think Elias <laughs> Pettersson didn't even celebrate that hard after he scored because he was probably like, what did, what did I just see? But, I'm, you know, it's an interesting, I mean, we looked at each other too and we're like, what, what, what was he doing there? Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I mean, look, I mean, Elias Pettersson's Elias Pettersson. He's a supreme talent on this hockey team. Um, I've always said it, this team's going to go as far as 40 and 43 are going to take them. You can add a few more guys in that mix. But again, one of the two most important players to this franchise. Colin says third period redemption masks a lack of focus earlier in the game. And yeah, again, I, I think mentally fatigued, even though they've been at home here for five straight. Again, a lot of hockey in a compressed period of time. January was a fairly busy month. 
Uh, but the payoff will come. The games are spaced out a little bit more. They got that nine-game homestand in the month of March. So, you know, in years gone by, you were hoping that a portion of the schedule like that would just allow you to, you know, make up some ground on some teams around you and, and maybe push for the playoffs. Well, here, uh, it's a whole lot different now, and it'll be interesting to see what they look like uh, by the time that nine-game homestand rolls around. But uh, let some other teams, uh, some tired teams, come to town. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Again, not perfect. It's hard to play a perfect game. Uh, there are some warts creeping in here, and I do think the break comes at a good time. And then Rick Taka can try and you know focus them and, and harness uh, that energy to get back to where they have been for long stretches of this season. Taz Canuck fan says they have gears, top in the first, neutral in the second, overdrive in the third. Ah, neutral in the second. I'm had to put it in reverse. I thought I heard uh, <laughs> some beeps there as they were backing up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we did see some some gears there. Sterling says special teams. That was his big takeaway when it looks like they'll just limp into the break. The power play, which has had its issues, gives them life. And the PK with a massive kill yeah. makes the break a little bit sweeter, as does Brock with 30 before the break. So uh, yeah, absolutely would agree. And we talked about that uh, penalty kill like that was as high leverage a situation as uh, you could get in a January game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but uh, you didn't want all the good work of the comeback to go for naught, and uh, they were able to kill that one off. Jack says, uh, I had them at game over after two. Apparently, they weren't ready for the vacay just yet. Nope, uh, but the vacation is underway for the Vancouver Canucks, and with the weather here in Vancouver, hopefully uh, the bulk of them are going to chase a little bit mm -hmm. of sunshine somewhere. They're not going to find that uh, in Toronto, but uh, even the guys that are going to Toronto should get a couple of days here, whether they're getting out of town or just, uh, again, to unwind a little bit as uh, they can take their minds off hockey. Covered a lot of ground. Uh, it was a lot uh, to work with in this yeah. hockey game. Down 4-1 to one after two periods. Uh, three goals for the Canucks. In the third, all of them on the power play. Tie the game, and then they go to overtime. And interesting, you know, we saw Garland. We saw Hoaglander. Saw Suter in overtime. Some different looks there. Again, some of that was uh, the fact that uh, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev just aren't going right now. But uh, good for Rick Tockett. But ultimately... You know, he puts the game in the hands of his best players, and and they deliver. So uh, they've done it on a lot of nights, and uh, I'm sure that'll continue for the Vancouver Canucks. It's just uh, it's so exciting to sort of be on the front lines right now after each of these games, put themselves in a position that they just haven't been in forever. And the fact that there are still 33 to go, but you can feel it. You can feel it around town. You can feel the buzz in the building although the real buzz came in the third period. There wasn't a whole lot of buzz in the, the first couple of periods, but there have been some nights here of late where the energy is back, and I think people realize that uh, this team, you know, the, all the work that they've done, they have a chance to make some noise down the stretch and into the playoffs. So looking forward to being here, and I know you'll be along for a yep. lot of these, Earth as we continue to push after the All-Star break. When I tease the fact that we had a little bit of news the games are going to stop here for 10 days, but the hockey talk won't. And we're a post-game pod, but we're going to convene a rink-wide roundtable. You're going to be in for it. David Quadrelli is going to join us as well. And you can look for that midweek, and we'll just reflect on these first 49. Uh, we'll look ahead at what's to come, some thoughts on what we've seen, what we're going to see. So we appreciate uh, all of your support. But that's going to do it for us here as uh, we break down the 5-4 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Canucks go into this break now 
Uh, on a winning note, they are 9-0-2 in their last 11 hockey games. And as we said, they've been putting on a show at Rogers Arena. Not always perfect, but hard to knock the end result. 10 wins, one outright loss, and one OTL in their last dozen in front of the paying customers at Rogers Arena. So the fans get their money's worth, and uh, we'll see what they can do. It's going to be a while before you get a chance to see them at Rogers Arena. Uh, five in a row, out on the road after the All-Star break, and uh, they're not at home until the middle of February, but uh, boy, once they come off this next five-game road trip, that's their last long road trip, and then a whole lot oh, of home cooking the rest of the way. Great stuff, Earth, as always. Yep. We look forward to the stretch drive with you, and we'll look forward to the roundtable as well. So check that out midweek. Uh, we'll post it on social. You'll know when it drops, but for Earth, this is Jeff. Again, 5-4 the final. Brock Besser, the hat trick, gets to 30 on the season. Elias Pettersson with a pair he is up to 27. And, of course, uh, his second of the night was the winner, 5-4. They down the Blue Jackets. That's going to do it for Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway.